This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. I declared war on the church for a part of, of my life. I hated the church. The fact that I'm working and serving in a local community is a miracle. Hey everybody, welcome to The Calling. My name is Richard Clark. I am the online managing editor for Christianity Today. I'm here with Morgan Lee from our other podcast, Quick to Listen. Hey Morgan. What's up Richard? You know Tyler Burns. I do know Tyler Burns. That's the guest that we're having on today. We both uh, met him in real life just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so I had met him before. We talk about this on the podcast, um, but uh, you got to meet him for the first time and I got to really spend time with him for the first time. I haven't really got a chance to sit down and talk to him. I was so encouraged by Tyler Burns. That guy is really good at having conversations. Like, I knew this a little bit because of his other podcasts, which we'll talk about in a second. But, like, when I sat down to talk with Tyler Burns, like, he puts you at ease and he is able to communicate, like, his ideas in a way that I relate to so much. Like, in a way that I've never, I don't know that it haven't often had that experience in a podcast before. That's really awesome. Recording a podcast. I just felt like I was friends with him. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, some of the, the charge stiltedness that you kind of get when you're in a podcast just wasn't there. Tyler Burns is the host of a podcast called Pass the Mic, which is um, a podcast of the Reform African American Network. Um, it is a reformed podcast, kind of, but he talks a bit about how they want to make that feel more ecumenical, which is something we hear at Christianity Today are excited about, right? Um, and then he that's a really interesting podcast because it is a podcast geared towards talking about race um, in a way that people can hear. And I think it's been really valuable. I've literally seen it change people's minds. It's impacted me in like huge personal ways. Um, and, and he so, hosts that with Jamar Tisby, with who Jamar is Tisby, that's president right. of the Reformed African American Network. Yeah, and listeners of this podcast, if you like this podcast, you should go listen to the conversation I had with Jamar Tisby on this very show. Jamar Tisby joined you for episode 13, yeah, which so that was, was actually about a year ago. Yeah, it was in the July um, of 2016. So if you're interested in listening to that, uh, check it out. It's and a good interview the podcast as well. is actually called It's Never Too Late to Talk About Race in your church yeah and and tyler alludes to this a little bit but um uh they're like a really good complimentary uh pair i really like listening to them talk to each other and uh yeah i'm a big fan of that podcast and a big fan of tyler um, also has another podcast called chasing justice which he does um as a connection with the justice conference which is where richard and i hang out with him a couple weeks ago and that's an interview podcast where he interviews all different types of leaders who work in the social justice movement about the work that they do. Yep. So um, we'll get to that interview in a minute. Before we get to that, I wanted to mention that uh, the podcast is made possible by Christianity Today magazine, which you can subscribe to. Um, it offers redemptive yet honest coverage of people, events, and ideas shaping the church and culture. Um, I just got like the latest issue in my hands. Have you seen it? 
I have. I mean, I know we all know what's in it because we work here. No, I I had to go through it for to pull out some quotes that were written there. Right. So we all like work with it. But like holding it in my hands and just looking through it, I was kind of astonished at it. It's our double issue for the summer and it's really, really good. So I'd highly recommend subscribing right now. It's a really good time to do so. One of the things that I think that people who are wondering whether or not they should get the physical, tangible magazine you know, what type of difference it would make. And I would say one thing that's really cool is that we have a lot of articles in there that actually really read well in tension with each other. So for instance, our cover story is about automation and how automation is going to change our relationships with our jobs and our identities. And then we also have a piece by our editor-in-chief, Mark Galley, that's just talking about rest and Sabbath and why you should be relaxing during the summer and the importance of that. And again, they're not directly related to each other, but they have that kind of going on. And then we have some amazing stories about work that Christians are doing. Again, that's highlighted by the sense of just like, we're to Sabbath. We actually do have an article about a book about Sabbath. And so I think there's just some interesting things to kind of reflect on as a whole that if you sit down and read the magazine, you're going to get a sense of. Yep. As As a subscriber, each year you get 10 issues, you get tablet PDF versions. You get full web access to ChristianityToday.com, including all of our old, old, old archives, which there's some gold in there. And then a special offer for those who are listening to this very podcast. We've set up a special page for you. It allows you to get a discounted subscription plus a bonus download that um, the podcast hosts, your podcast hosts that you have come to know and kind of like, um, have put together for you. It's uh, orderct.com slash thecalling. That's orderct.com slash the calling for that special deal. Well, here it is, our interview with Tyler Burns. I don't want to, I was thinking about asking you about your honeymoon. You can, man. It's fine. You can. (laughs) I I hate to because I feel like you might be embarrassed. No, I won't be embarrassed. So the first time I met you, for the listeners, Uh was on your honeymoon. Yeah. And and it was at the Gospel Coalition conference. Yeah, I'm glad you explained that because people we were like, "What? You been on the honeymoon?" What? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a great first line of explaining the it story. Is. It was at the Gospel Coalition in 2015. Yeah, and my wife and I had this grand idea. It was actually more my idea <laughs> that uh, yeah, let's just go to the Gospel Coalition conference and uh-huh. hang out and experience the gospel together. Yeah. Now, in my defense. That was just the first part of the week. And then the rest of the week was, you know, spent near Disney and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, because it was in Orlando and it was a terrible idea. It was the worst possible idea. What was so terrible about it? I mean, on on the face of it, it's kind of a terrible idea. <laughs> but I want to know what the fallout was. It was just pointless. Like there was, I didn't want to be at any sessions. You weren't feeling it at all. I don't all. remember anything. <laughs> like I dragged her to the CAPC hangout. Yeah. Um, and she was like, uh, I don't really want to do that. I and met I'm her like, there and she was very kind. Yes, she was. Yeah. And she was like, what are you doing? It was the sunken place, man. It was <laughs> yeah. I needed somebody to pass by and do some flash photography to get me out of that. But it was uh-huh. hilarious, man. Um, good conference, I'm sure, but I just don't remember anything from it. <laughs> right. I, I think I led something at lunch. It was just a horrible idea. Like, I'm like, why am I working right now? Have you been back to TGC since that? Nope. Man, you need to go back. Never do that. If you think about going to a conference, don't do it. For your honeymoon, don't do it. So so we always start the podcast with this question. Cool. 
um, how would you define your calling? It's a great question. Um, I would probably steal from the words of Paul um, to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 4, where he says, you should regard us as servants of Christ, mm -hmm. stewards of the mysteries of God. And so I would say the foundation of my calling is I'm a servant. Okay. And then I would reflexively respond that I serve with whatever good things God has blessed me with. Mm. So the next verse of 1 Corinthians 4 is that stewards should be found faithful. Mm -hmm. And I believe it is important for me to serve everything in every area that God has blessed me with faithfully and well and consistently. And so that starts with serving him, practicing the way of Jesus, following him, um, serving my wife yeah. of two years, who I love very much. And um, yeah, it's actually going to, by the time this podcast is released, I'm sure it'll be announced, but she's pregnant with our first. So That's yeah, awesome. which is amazing. We're and so- tomorrow. Oh, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so she has- One hour from now. Yeah, she has been incredible. Congrats. That's great. It's due Christmas 2017. Uh -huh. So she's been incredible and I've learned so much from her. And then also uh, my church, mm -hmm. particularly the black church, which I feel- called to in this season of my life okay. uh, may change but right now just serving the people who are kinsmen according to my flesh teaching the gospel discipling and then i think to this generation as well serving to this generation and that's anything What's this generation you know i would say the times that we live in more yeah. than a particular age group okay when i was 19 one of the things i prayed about was god what do you want me to do mm -hmm. and i received that quote-unquote call you know, it's different in the charismatic circle. <laughs> so I was 16 years old, was at a youth conference. and You were in the charismatic circle? Yes, okay. still am, actually. Okay, got it. And so was at a youth conference when I was 16 and was just had one of those altar moments and was crying. And I said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And so from that point on, I kind of accepted that call. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really know what it was that God wanted me to do in particular. And one of the things that I feel God led me to do when I was 19 years old was to preach and communicate the truth of the gospel in every form of media. Hmm. So in every, in print, digital, any form of media that existed, I wow. felt like that's where God had called me. And includes TV, radio, yeah. magazines, writing, books, everything. And pretty much I've done almost all of that in some way, shape or form. Right. And it's just crazy to see the Lord bring that together. So I think it is my call to serve this generation and this time in particular that we live in by articulating the gospel, the truth of the gospel in every way possible at every turn. So yeah. you, you mentioned that you felt called at this moment to the black church. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I have spent many years bemoaning mm -hmm. the black church. And I think that comes from a number of different things. So my father founded the church that I currently serve at 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. And even then it was kind of a, it was a multicultural church. It was multi-ethnic before multi-ethnic was a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he just had this passion due to his background of seeing just the, the multitudes of different races worship together. Right. 
And so I didn't have any understanding for the idea of race as a social construct. I didn't understand any of that. I actually went to an independent fundamental Baptist school at the same time, mm -hmm. which was incredible cognitive dissonance. <laughs> yeah. And so I was I was just totally confused. And then when I was 19, thought I was reformed. So got introduced to John Piper. So I'm like, wow, this is. And so all this led to never fully embracing yeah. the church tradition that I come from uh -huh. never fully embracing it, never fully jumping all in. Right. And part of that was because my father was hesitant mm -hmm. to fully embrace that at the exclusion of, of other races and ethnicities. Um, but now at, at my life, I've, I've, I just jump all in, jumped all in and said this tradition of particular articulation of the gospel to the Afri African-American experience mm -hmm. in the United States is something I'm all about and I'm passionate about and it resonates with me where I'm at right now. Not yeah. everyone is called to that, but I do feel specifically called to serve black young people and to appreciate the tradition that's gone before me. This is interesting to me because when I think about what kind of church I want to attend, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about questions of like, conviction sure. like and then and i'm not making a value statement i'm actually yeah. like wondering um what is wrong and what sometimes i wonder like what if i took away the infant baptism yeah. dogma <laughs> yeah. or the speaking in tongues dogma sure. or like just whatever like secondary dogma i have in my brain of like my church has to be fill in the blank because it's so in your face when you're at a church that isn't that right um, did you struggle at all with, with issues of conviction? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's been, it's been interesting because I'll tell you this, this is funny. You're going to get all this tea on this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but when I was at Liberty university, uh -huh. I actually attended Jerry Falwell's church. Okay. I attended Thomas Road Baptist church. Wow. And, um, which was an interesting experience. What was the makeup of that church? It's semi multi-ethnic. Okay. But it at the time was allegedly the fastest growing church in America uh -huh. at the time. Uh -huh. But very white in presentation. Yeah. And very majority culture and who they're talking to. Right. But still had, you know, representation of people of color throughout right. um, in key places. And I don't know if it's still that way now. But that was a church that I went to. And so when we talk about convictions, absolutely. Um, I definitely had this this feeling that that was the healthiest place for me to be at mm -hmm. that time. Um, but I think now what we've seen is the necessity of being black in America requires me in particular. And I think many African-Americans would agree with this and people who are black in America, a place to safely process mm -hmm. our identity in Christ and in this black body and skin mm -hmm. without having to compensate or explain. Yeah. So when I go into my church, not only am I hearing the gospel preached, not only am I worshiping according to something that I understand and can articulate, not only are we being discipled, but I also feel that I don't have to explain mm -hmm. uh, my blackness. Yeah. And so for me in this season, that's a very freeing place to be. Mm -hmm. Now, again, that may change in a few years. I may feel called to a different area, but I, I'll never lose the appreciation of the gospel passed down from generation to generation of black bodies in America who believed that Christ saved them, called them, and now we are peculiar people in a foreign land. Yeah. One of the things that you're doing a lot of right now, it seems like, just as I 
look out at your body of work <laughs> yeah. is facilitating conversation. Sure. Where does that come from? Is that just an accident? I don't know. So I'm going to list the things because you're doing like some of the things. You're doing <laughs> Pass the Mic. You're a big part of Pass the Mic. You host the podcast. Mm -hmm. You talk to Jamar on that podcast. I love lot. Jamar. Shout out to Jamar. You have guests on where you talk to them. Mm -hmm. You're doing the the Justice Calling podcast where you're talking to guests. You're right here at the Justice Conference. You're you're hosting yeah. a lot of guests on there. You also like have this, I guess, like Uber moderator role on the <laughs> on the forum, which I've really admired, like from afar. Like I'm a part of this past the mic forum, which is a challenge and i think yeah, like yeah. we've both we've both kind of been in that place where we've been trying to manage these unwieldy facebook groups yeah. and fortunately i got out of that business before <laughs> before like all of the crap hit the fan like for real but sure, sure. um but that that's been a struggle i'm wondering like if if that is if that is something you're growing yeah. like all of this you're you're facilitating you're not just facilitating conversation you're really facilitating bridge building in all of these places like the really hard work of bridge building you know that's that's interesting it's funny last night i met latasha morrison uh -huh. from be the bridge right and we had this moment we had never met each other and yeah. so we had this moment we were very familiar with each other yeah and we were talking and laughing about quote-unquote bridge building which right. i think she is doing yeah. and which i think someone like jamar is doing yeah. but which i don't think i'm doing really but i don't think that why, at all so why do you say that I, I think it's because i'm not intentionally necessarily trying to okay but i've kind of transitioned i think into a role of just sharing things from my perspective and experience and mm -hmm. hoping that people don't completely discard it. Yeah. And then if they ask further questions, we'll continue to interact. Yeah. But I guess I am sort of a, a bridge builder let in me some just, cases. Let me just share an analogy <laughs> that as a pushback. Okay. Because yeah. uh, Latasha today, I went to her session and she was talking about bridge building. She was showing like, she's showing us a picture of this like crazy canyon rope, bri rope bridge across yeah, yeah. a canyon, right? And she said that she feels like some like God sent her out into the middle of that bridge and then said, all right, you're, you got it the rest yeah, of the way. Right. Yeah. Um, you're kind of like, you wandered out into the middle of this bridge. <laughs> you totally yeah. did because you're like, you're like, you were a, you're in, you're hosting and managing the, the Facebook group of like a reformed, like, how would you say it? Like, yeah, it's, you, you just did a quote mark. Yeah. I did quote marks because we love to keep, we love to keep it big tent as much as sure. possible. Yes, yeah. We want to keep it big tent as much as possible. And so we're not necessarily clinging to the reform banner in mm -hmm. the forum. Mm -hmm. And um, we've held it looser on the podcast and yeah. on the website sure. than yeah. in previous years. I think you're right. I think whatever way I can continue to push people forward, I feel like, I haven't done the hard investment yeah. of sitting down across the table and really mm. working with people yeah. from zero, mm. ground zero, all the way to some sort of awareness of what's going on. Right. I feel like I do it into a mic. And so I feel like that's less than <laughs> yeah. someone intentionally saying, I'm going to immerse myself in a predominantly white community or in a different community than mine. And mm -hmm. I'm going to pull them to where I'm at no, or I'm going to consistently plant seeds and water them and let God give the increase. Yeah. So Jamar does that so well. And I've seen other people do that with intentionality that I think that's why I say yeah. I'm quote unquote, not a bridge builder. In many ways I am. I live in a, 
a bridge building community, so so to speak, uh-huh. with a lot of different views. And so I have connections to predominantly white churches and they're friends of mine. And so it is it is bridge building. I've just never accepted that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I needed to come on the calling so you could force me to accept <laughs> that part of my calling. Yeah, I think there's something to like the sometimes a lot of your podcasts are responses to things sure. and and um and like necessary ones and ones that don't happen anywhere else right like so a popular reformed theologian says something that is racially insensitive and problematic and you guys will not just get on and talk about how stupid it is right. you'll get on and like explain explain why it's problematic and how it makes you feel and all of these things in a way that like people can hear and I've seen it like change people's minds and ideas and lives. Like that's that's hard work. That's very do. encouraging. Yeah, we. It's funny the podcast is so low tech, mm-hmm. particularly Pastor Mike. Justice sure. Conference is different, but Pastor Mike is just so low tech yeah. and natural between me and Jamar that we and Bo that we feel like. Man, sometimes we're like, are we really doing anything? And then we see people, the flood of responses, and it really encourages us. So, yeah, yeah that's encouraging, man. As much as I can continue to, to contribute to conversations, I will. I think it's in my blood. That's how my father is. And huh. when I was younger, I was the only child for about 10 years in my in my household. And so being the only child, I was around all these adults because my parents wouldn't just leave me at home with a babysitter. They take me along to these places. And so I always wanted to be heard. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted people to understand where I was coming from. Mm-hmm. And so what I had to do was I had to educate myself on all these adult topics. Right? So yeah. I used to spend every night listening to three hours of talk radio. Uh-huh. And so it would be sports radio, political radio, um, just like news or talk shows, everything. And so what I wanted to do was get myself to a place of understanding so I could have a conversation with them. So wow. <laughs> d- yeah. during that whole space, it was like four or five years where I would just read the newspaper from cover to cover and <laughs> listen to talk radio because I had to talk with people. Yeah. And I think there's that thirst for connection that drives something special about conversations. Uh-huh. There's a vulnerability that's present there that's not present other other places. And then I think also you get to see the humanity of who people really are. Yeah. I've had some great conversations with people I disagree with. And because of the conversation, I haven't come to their position and they haven't come to mine, but we've seen each other. Right. And the seeing and hearing that Pastor Gabe was talking about today yeah. and other people have said is central to the gospel. You see that in, in the scope of conversation. Have you ever doubted what you're called to do? Yes. When? Yeah. Very frequently, I think. I think there's something about the Imago day that I'm still trying to understand. Mm-hmm. There's something about what I've been called to do that I'm still trying to understand. When I was at Liberty, a lot of people don't know this, but when I was at Liberty, I was a senior and I was a double major mm-hmm. and was going to get a degrees in radio broadcasting and philosophy, had about a year, a year, a year and a half left. And I just, the Lord, Everything was going well, and the Lord woke me up one Mm. night and was like, you're not supposed to be here. Mm. As clear as I've ever felt him say anything to me. Wow. You're not supposed to be here anymore. And um, so I was like, that's not God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I fasted and prayed, and I was having this conversation with my dad, and he was thinking I had done something foolish and Uh (laughs) that I was trying to get out. I was like, no, I'm not using God as a crutch or a cop-out. I really feel like he's telling me not to be here anymore. So so 
God is telling you leave college. To leave liberty. I couldn't I couldn't understand it. Yeah. I didn't understand it. Go home. And I'm like, why? Huh. Everything's going well. Everything's going great. I don't understand it. So my dad prayed. He's like, man, I don't feel like you're running from anything. Mm-hmm. And if you're not running from anything, and man, you need to finish your education. But if God is telling you to do this, I mean, who am I to say, don't do it? And um, so I left. And when I tell you that God has confirmed the decision to leave at that moment, mm-hmm. not saying confirm the decision to leave and forget education, but confirm the decision to leave at that moment. It has been insane. From the moment I stepped back in, there have been opportunities I never would have received otherwise. Mm. And there have been doors that were open for me that would never have been open otherwise if I did not leave right then and there. And there was a reason. And in the midst of that, there's been a lot of inadequacy. There's been a lot of self-doubt because I don't have the credentials that everyone else has. Right. And so not having those credentials and working to get them, but now trying to switch them into different fields and yeah. catch up and all these things has been incredibly, it's been a challenging experience. And so I haven't felt worthy to step onto platforms. Sure. I haven't felt worthy to talk on panels or host podcasts. But I had to come to this place where the gifts and, and the callings of God are without repentance. Huh. And if he's called me to do something, I must. What I, what, I, what I can do and what I ought to do, I can do. Yeah. And what I can do, I must do. And what I must do, I will do. Yeah. And I heard somebody say that once, and I've just taken that as my mentality. The Lord is going to open the door, and if he opens it, I'll run through it. And if it's not him, it won't work out. But up until that point, I'll continue to be faithful to what he's called me to do. And so that inadequacy is is constant yeah it is constant when people start talking about certain things um i'm like oh (laughs) skip that class didn't make it there um but um the lord has been faithful to to have people who are affirming Mm -hmm. he sent people who believe in me huh and who believe in what god has called me to do and that's the part of the imago day i'm still working through right i'm not a human doing i'm a human being I'm not someone who has to show credentials to be affirmed. Sure. But that there is something I can contribute even to this, to the body of Christ. And so, you know, hopefully one day that won't be an issue and I, I, I won't think about that. But I think up until this point, I've definitely had feelings of inadequacy. For yeah. sure. In our broken world, it can be hard to see how Jesus is at work making all things new. That's why every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear through redemptive storytelling and global reporting. Whether it's a pastor in Brazil who uses CT in Portuguese to lead his ministry, or a young believer who wants to think biblically about our culture, CT comes alongside believers to illuminate what it looks like to follow Jesus in today's world. Jesus is transforming his world. CT is equipping his church. Give a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com slash equip. I feel like the moment imposter syndrome isn't an issue, like pride is the issue. That's so true. It goes immediately to pride. That's so true. I'm a little scared to not have imposter syndrome. Yeah. No, that's a great point. In fact, I see it happen to me week by week like yeah. i'll i'll have a good quote unquote good week and it will end with like me falling flat on my face because i just had i was too prideful yeah, yeah it's it's uh, that constant tension that wrestle yeah of okay should i be here 
And then you, you also don't want to think, oh, I should be here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah totally. You're like, wait a second. Like, that's not a good, that's not a good contrast. Right. You know, it's more so, hey, I am what I am by the grace of God. Yeah. Um, and so what he has called me to do, hey, we, we do it as faithfully as possible. And if the Lord would choose to take it all away mm-hmm. and say, just be a servant to your wife, mm-hmm. just be a servant to your family, mm-hmm. just be a servant to my local church in obscurity. Yeah, that's the test is what you do in obscurity. Right. And um, yeah, I was talking to a couple of friends and, um, you know, Bradford, I was talking to Bradford yeah. and uh, we were talking about this when I went up to New York and uh, and he just said he said something so simple. He was like, man, you know what? We belong, man. Like we belong. And I was like, really? Like <laughs> it was so it was just that affirming moment of. A young black man looking at another black man and yeah. saying, "It's okay. That's like beautiful. we all struggle with yeah. imposter syndrome, but it's okay. Like you're not here based on your own merit. I'm not where I am based on my own merit, and that's okay. Yeah, we still belong." Is there someone who inspires you? Greg and Diane Burns, my parents. They loved me so wildly uh-huh. and completely. Mm-hmm. Both of them came from abject poverty. And both of them came from the stereotypical plight of the inner city. So my Mm. mother grew up in Pensacola and didn't have much of anything. And my father grew up in Mississippi, didn't have much of anything, Mm. Um, lost his only active parent when he was 12. And my mother was in a situation where a lot of responsibility was thrust upon her. And I think they took all the lack of love they received or they didn't receive from their parents and just poured the contrasting love, the other extreme into me and my siblings. And they are such wild, crazy, reckless servants. Hmm. When my, when my father started the church and planted it, uh, I was three years old and we would get up at four 30 in the morning And my parents would literally do, it was one of those, it wasn't really a parachute plant because we were in the city, but he didn't have any infrastructure at that time. And so they would, they would get up at 4.35 AM and do everything to prepare for the service Mm -hmm. with me. And I saw them serve, do the service, run it, preach, do all that, and then break it all down, go hang with the people, disciple them, counsel, and We'd go home flat, worn out, exhausted, but it was normal because they just gave their lives so freely. And to see them serve and to see them, you know, just be faithful in obscurity. Yeah. I love them so much and they have inspired me. And it's something I think for a young black man in, in our society, say my, my two-parent household <laughs> yeah. has inspired me um, to be better and to serve in my calling. Definitely how, them. How do you know all that stuff about your parents' life? How do I know all that? Um, experience, being okay. around them, um, seeing them, observing them, now working with them. Did they tell you their background? Did they sit you down and talk to you about all that? They didn't, they didn't tell me directly. Okay. It was a situation where they told people and I heard them. Yeah. Yeah. And then I experienced it. I met their families and I saw how central they are huh. to to my extended family, right? And how much they lead. And slowly but surely, they told me 
more stories as I got older. I think they were trying to protect me so much mm -hmm. from despair or hopelessness. Mm -hmm. And so they preserved my innocence for a while, but it was almost to the place of, man, you have to tell them the stories of injustice that you've experienced yeah. and difficulty and poverty and and how the Lord was faithful because if he's faithful for them, he can be faithful for me as well. Yeah. I don't know why I'm just fascinated by what parents do and don't tell their their kids these days. Like I've been thinking about that a lot. It's it was it wasn't when I was younger. I had yeah. to learn that when I was preteen teen um age. And they really they didn't tell me anything about injustice that they face or racism mm. until late teens. Yeah. And that's when I started to hear the stories of um, violent threats and running for their lives. And that's when it started to get real for me. So oh, they've been through some, same, right. some things that, you know, I can't even really put into words. So, yeah. Um, what would you say when it comes to your calling is your biggest struggle? Biggest struggle. Um, I think keeping up. These conversations, particularly in the space of racial justice, mm -hmm. I feel like they're so complex sometimes and they continue and shift at a clip that is so quick mm -hmm. and rapid that sometimes I feel a struggle to keep up and a struggle not to want to keep up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It gets discouraging. Every field I'm in, whether directly or indirectly, involves people which involves the opportunity for some pretty serious discouragement. Mm. Church is a place of real issues. Yeah. And when you're discipling people and trying to do the Colossians 128 of warning and teaching, it gets messy Yeah, and it gets dirty sometimes. And there have been parts of church that have made me want to run and hide. And that struggle has been very apparent. Mm -hmm. And then now entering somehow, some way into this larger conversation of race in the church mm -hmm. has also been very discouraging. Yeah. Some great days and probably many more where I'm like, I, I'm good on this. Mm. I think keeping up and then not even wanting to keep up because there's so many iterations of what we're dealing with of sin in the church and then also of injustice in broader society. What would you say is the deepest fear you have about yep. this this calling the deepest fear that i have is that i would not i would improperly represent the tradition that i come from okay that's the deepest fear that i have what does that look like i, I feel like i won't live up to the example the high standard that my parents have set okay i won't live up to the high calling of the black church throughout history the consistency um, I feel like I won't live up to some of the voices that have heralded justice before me. Um, and then we remember that they weren't superhumans. Right. <laughs> they had no sort of, of, of ability that was outside of the, the human scope. Yeah. You know, they were but mere men and women. Mm -hmm. And so there are times where I feel like, man, if, if there's anything I don't want to do, it's to bring a stain on God's house, on the church, um, on my family's name, um, and on the tradition of, of the black church. But I think that's fading over time. Okay. As I see more of the humanity of the people, as I see more of their doubts, uh -huh. as I see more of the 
wrestles. You get behind the scenes, you meet people, and you realize they're, they have but clay feet. And they're in the same situation I am, you know, yearning and struggling to be faithful. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've less worried about that and more worried about um, continuing to do everything that I can with the short life that I have, knowing that if I hold back from that, um, I'll end up regretting not doing more. What are the ways that you see that you could <laughs> screw up? Yeah. This is I'm like making it a real downer right yeah, now. Yeah. But w- when it comes to like the things you do right now, mm-hmm. ministry wise, calling wise, yeah. what are the si- but the sides of the tightrope, right? Like if you fall off, what are those things? Well, sin is ever present. Yeah. You know, sin is ever present with us. There's a reality that um, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And even the greatest of people who are men and women after God's own heart have fallen prey. So we must continue to exhort each other so that we don't fall prey to the deceitfulness of sin. That's number one at the top of the list. Um, but I think also the reality that saying something that would undermine the mission, doing something that would undermine the mission, both of the church and then of my specific expression of the church, which is the black church, that would be in total, in ignorance to gain people's approval, in ignorance to gain higher status and to gain a name that I'll sell myself, (laughs) sell my soul, um, that the stage will become so seductive. Um, Fame is poison, man. It is. (laughs) It's yeah. just this really dark poison that I think most of us, 99% of us don't know how to handle. And so that I would, I would get so addicted to that and the attention mm-hmm. that I would fail to see the mission of why I'm here. That I would get so, and I think this is the final one, that I get so caught up in talking that I wouldn't act. Mm. I get so, so caught up in having these debates and arguments and conversations that I wouldn't get to know my neighbors. Yeah. And that I wouldn't, I, I'd, find out injustice years later or years after I moved away from the mm. town that I live in. Right. Because I wasn't present yeah. because I was, I was so insular because I was so uh, comfortable uh, staying online. You that know, one hit, that one hits me between the eyes. That's, that's an easy thing to do, especially when you're, when you work on the internet, yes. you get real wrapped up in the internet. Sure. You walk literally past the people on your porch. Yeah. I do this at least. Yeah. Like it's, it's really easy to do the people in your church. These are people that like there were, ne- we had neighbors whose daughter had cancer and died oh my goodness i didn't know till they left or at least i wasn't aware of it my wife was there she was aware of it she was thinking about it she was praying for them she was talking to them and i just the other day i was like i never even like did anything and like that's just like messed up yeah that moment is so quick and it's gone yeah you know something i actually had a moment where i was talking to a young person and it was before a service and I was tasked to do something. Someone asked me to do something, which they often do mm-hmm. right before service. <laughs> and, and so I told this young man, hey, meet me up in my office. want to talk to you. And I get there and I'm completely distracted mm-hmm. and I'm trying to finish this. And there's nothing wrong with the responsibility, but it hit me that I could do little responsibilities or I could do what I, I feel to be more important responsibilities on a broader scale and totally miss that the most important thing I can do outside of loving God and loving my wife 
is spending time with this young man. Yeah. Letting him know that his humanity is seen and loved. Yeah. Affirming him, discipling him, and listening. Right. And that's it. And and it hit me. And I said, there's really, I've got to restructure uh-huh. how I spend my time to, I'm an introvert, uh-huh. but to be around more people yeah. and to serve them by that's listening and presence. Yeah. For an introvert. It is, it is a reasonable <laughs> sacrifice to make. <laughs> and I think sometimes our personalities can be excuses yeah. for deep discomforts yeah. that aren't really even harming us. They're just making us inconvenient. Right. And that's how I feel like I've been uh, at times just completely disconnected and from even the people closest to me because I've been so concerned with this conversation must continue. It can wait, mm-hmm. you know, or, or it can go on without me. Yeah. So, so you get into a time machine, you go back in time, you step out of that time machine and you introduce yourself to yourself. What do you tell him? I would tell teenage Tyler to love the church, mm-hmm. embrace the church. When I was younger, my father was a pastor of a mega church at that time. Oh, wow. And it was massive, three to 4,000 people a weekend. Wow. And I hated the church because it took him away from me. And it took my parents so much of their attention. This is in what city? In Pensacola, Florida. Okay. Yeah. And it took so much of their attention away. And yeah, there were probably some boundaries that needed to be established Mm -hmm. and some things that they learned later on. Yeah. But I declared war on the church. Hmm for a part of of my life. I hated the church. The fact that I'm working and serving in a local community is a miracle. Wow. Considering how much I hated the people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Loved God, you know, this whole I love God. I hate his hate his followers thing, yeah. which doesn't work. And um <laughs> because what God commands you to do is to love his followers. Yeah. And even the enemies if they are. And and then I got to this place where I realized the church is too beautiful to fight. Mm-hmm. And community is the heartbeat of my life now i can't imagine being disconnected from a local body of believers serving being seen and known every week i'm ready to go back home right Mm -hmm. now i'm itching for our community group next week i'm itching to have conversations and to share meals and that's what i desire to do more than anything else yeah and i i think i caught that train late Mm. And I would tell teenage Tyler, catch that train early and stay on it because that's where that's where Christ is. What was the what was the fallout of not caring enough about the local church? Like what were the implications for you there? Just immaturity. Okay. I just existed in perpetual immaturity. And then I also failed to appreciate people who are no longer here. Yeah. And so I was so disconnected that there are people who could have poured into my life and discipled me and mm. done so much. And I, I didn't want to have anything to do with church except for going on Sundays and Wednesdays and leaving. And because I had to, because my parents weren't going to let me not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I missed opportunities to grow and missed opportunities to mature far quicker than I have. Um, and I missed the opportunity to see more of Christ, yeah, more of him and to worship understand what worship is right to you know take the lord's table to truly appreciate baptism there's moments some of them i won't get back because i didn't fully appreciate it hmm. 
I remember when I got baptized, I wasn't really like, whatever. And now I baptize <laughs> people and I'm like, this is the greatest thing. Dude, you ever. don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. I baptize a nine year old girl. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. This is from death to life. What a symbol. <laughs> and I'm like, man, if I could go back, I would really take that in. Huh. And those those little things that um, the Lord teaches us through the the mistakes and he redeems those. But yeah, those things are important. Immaturity persists when we stay away from the church. You've been listening to The Calling. Tyler Burns is the host of Pass the Mic. You can follow him at Burns23 on Twitter. That's at Burns23. Remember to rate and review the show on iTunes. It helps us a lot. The Calling is produced by Jonathan Clausen. Theme music by Leah Rosevere, used under Creative Commons 4.0. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.